MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool 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 Audio. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. With interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting and all sorts of wild reports to keep us laughing. With funny off-brand upbeat journalism, the strange and unusual stories of what we give them. When it's all about ridiculous news everywhere, we talking about ridiculous news over here. Hey everyone, welcome to Ridiculous News, not your average news show. We cover stuff you didn't realize was news, from the wild and funny, to the deep and hidden, to the absolutely ridiculous. I'm Bill Worley, an Atlanta-based filmmaker. I'm a comedian, and Mark, we got to show some work at a comedy film festival this week, and it was really fun. Uh, I dressed up as a banana. You pointed out there was blood on me. Laughs ensued. <laughs> uh, Bill, your performance was great in that video. I look forward to releasing it publicly. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Mark Kendall. I'm an Atlanta-based uh, comedian. Uh, I recently uh, watched the 80s horror movie uh, Child's Play for the first time. Uh, and it, because I was researching an upcoming podcast episode that we're doing. And, you know, I got to say, I was not as scared as I thought I'd be. I've always been afraid that Chucky character and... I survived. Uh, so, uh, yeah. You did it. Yeah. Uh, so today, everyone, is a weekly roundup episode, and we're going to be discussing headlines that caught our eye recently. And we are so happy to be joined by our special guest, uh, Andre Casanel. Andre is a talented improviser and just a splendid human being. So everyone, welcome, Andre. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, I don't know about splendid, but I'm a human being. <laughs> Well, Andre, we're going to kick things off uh, uh, with a segment we do with all of our guests, which is called uh, Giving Them Their Flowers. So, Andre, this is the time where we're going to give you flowers, where we are going to uh, shower you uh, with compliments. Uh, so, Andre, I'm so fortunate that I've gotten to perform with you uh, many times over the years. I think you're super hilarious. You're super fun to play with on stage. And uh, uh, we were in an improv group together where we would uh, improvise what the Black characters were doing during movies, like the deleted scenes of what they were doing during movies. And so 
backstage before we would start to perform, we'd be like, oh, what movie would we like to improvise uh, today? And you would always, without fail, uh, suggest the Michael Keaton little-known cult classic, uh, Gung Ho, which I still have not seen. Uh, but your commitment... His greatest work <laughs> so far. You could take Birdman, you could take whatever you want, Batman, any kind of man movie he was in, Multiplicity, Gung Ho is it. And it's your, it's your uh, uh, unflinching admiration for that movie that I really respect. You know what you like, uh, and I appreciate that about you very much. Yeah, Andre, uh, we've had a lot of good memories together. We were roommates for a couple of years, and I remember your amazing cooking. I would always try and just like see if I could sneak a piece of chicken or if you'd be nice enough to share some chicken. <laughs> and whenever you were, it was amazing. Uh, you also, one of my favorite things was I had a dog named Frank who Andre loved, uh, I think, as much as we did. And every once in a while, we'd come home and I'd look for Frank. I didn't know where he was. And then your your door would crack open and then he'd come waddling out. <laughs> and then you'd shut the door. So he was just chilling with Dre. Um, and it's just always fun to see you, man. It's always fun to catch up with you and talk to you. You're such a great improviser. You've been in sketches of ours and you've nailed it. And so glad to have you on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I, I, I did not bring any flowers. Uh, you two are delightful <laughs> human beings. Uh, no, I wish I had some azalea. No compliments necessary. We'll cut you off right there. Uh, we appreciate you didn't bring flowers and that's actually perfect. That's exactly how the segment's supposed to go. Yeah. So now we're going to move on to our ridiculous news nibbles. So these are some quick headlines that we've pulled uh, that are fun and ridiculous stories. So to start off, uh, there has been a violin playing scam that's been going on in different places. So this is an article from uwig-van.com from our amazing researcher, Casey. And so the article says, at its most basic, uh, the scam is someone that's busking with the violin, uh, apparently playing... However, they're actually faking it, and the music comes from a hidden recording. Uh, and so, basically, they're you know lip syncing, but with an instrument in public areas uh, for cash, you know. And so, this concept—not an especially new idea—it's not like it's something that's never been done before. Uh, but apparently, more recently, uh, it's been you know ticking up a little bit. And what I found most interesting about the story was that there was a local radio DJ uh, that found when they were publicizing the case through social media, most public sympathy sided with the people that were scamming, you know? Because it's just like, I think people were thinking like, hey, they're still providing a form of entertainment, you know? It's like people stop by, listen to some music, they're not paying a ton of money, right? And it's not completely unlike a mime, for example, uh, this, you know, doing action to some sort of pre-recorded sound. And so most people honestly don't right. even seem to mind, which I thought was cool. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, you know, if, if someone's out there trying to do something to entertain beyond just trying to be like, hey man, can you give me, you know, five bucks or whatever, I tend to be more, way more likely to throw something in the case or whatever, because at least you're you're attempting to provide some entertainment. Now, there are times when I've seen people that like, try to drum there's someone by zoo atlanta that sometimes i walk by and they have like you know the old buckets 
And you know how there's these amazing drummers in different cities that do the drumming on the buckets. And this person just isn't, can't keep a rhythm, but is slamming on those buckets. And I try not to, uh, to support it. And I feel bad, but not, I mean, th- I think if well, you if can't it, support no rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so I, I, I appreciate if this is like pretty music that you're spreading in an area and it's not like overly obnoxious. Yeah. I might throw you a buck or two, at least give you a thumbs up. <laughs> I mean, when you're going for it and you're doing something, that's, you're giving something to the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. You're spreading whatever kind of violin music is out there. I remember uh, we were in Helen, Georgia once, me and some friends for, it was around Oktoberfest. And uh, we were in college, broke, and uh, my friends wanted some more money to buy beer or whatever. I, I believe we're also underage. Uh, and so they were just like, one of them just started asking for money on the streets because it was pop. It was like popping on the streets. And a cop came by and said, you can't just ask for money. But if you do something, you can get whatever money they give you. Ooh. I don't have a problem with that. So then they started having push-up contests. <laughs> My friend was not very, uh, he wasn't a push-up guy. He couldn't do a lot of push-ups, but he was having push-up contests and people kept giving him money. Now, what? does that add any value to the world? Absolutely not. It was fun to watch. <laughs> just like these violin people. Right. Right. That's so crazy. And, you know, I would have probably stopped to watch Absolutely. that. And, well, how much money did you remember roughly what he ended up oh, coming away with? I, he, I think he got like forty or fifty dollars. Wow! So yeah, yeah, we took all that money. We drove back to Atlanta. We did not buy any alcohol in Helen, and uh, I think we got a bunch of stuff from like I don't know if you remember Wing Zone back in the day. <laughs> it I was a whole so. bunch of food yeah, from so Wing Zone <laughs> with all the busking money. <laughs> so it worked out for everyone's favor. <laughs> That's amazing. See, yeah, just bringing joy to the masses. Yeah, that's a good way to make money, folks. Mm-hmm. A better way to make money. Speaking of bringing joy to the masses, this next story might do the opposite, which uh, is about a fun treat called Skittles. Uh, and this article is from The Guardian, where it's taste the toxin. Skittles are unfit for human consumption, according to a lawsuit filed in North California federal court uh, that Skittles candies which, of course, boasts the slogan, Taste the Rainbow, contain a known toxin called titanium dioxide that renders them unfit for human consumption. Uh, They actually said that people who consume Skittles are at a heightened risk of a host of health effects for which they're unaware, stemming from genotoxicity, the ability of a chemical substance to change your DNA. Wait a second. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) uh uh, let's let's take let's pump the brakes on this one uh i'm sorry we're talking about skittles you're talking about right correct the candy yes the candy and aren't they i mean i've eaten uh, my fair share of skittles it is only made of sugar uh so I feel like maybe that is the toxic part that is not good for human consumption. <laughs> Anything else you put inside of a Skittle, it doesn't matter. It's only sugar. Yeah, I, I guess the argument like, oh, yeah, you can't eat Skittles every meal 24-7. Yeah, like we all know that. Because <laughs> that's going to be, certainly that's going to be unhealthy. Now, is it going to change your DNA? 
I don't know about that. All this stuff about changing people's DNA. Is it really that easy to change DNA for the amount of times it's getting thrown out there that people are trying to alter our DNA? I don't know. I'm curious how many Skittles it takes. That's my question. You know? Because, I mean, honestly, Skittles are really tasty. I like sugar a lot. Uh, and, you know, I'd, I'd like to be healthy if I could. But, you know. I'll indulge in some candy from time to time. And so I wonder, is it the kind of thing where it's just like, if you have Skittles sometimes, it's going to change your DNA? Or is it the kind of thing, you know, if you go super overboard with it, like you're eating it like you're eating cereal every morning? You know, like, is that right. is that what it would take? I don't know. I feel like you would probably uh, lose a foot and all of your teeth before you got to the point where your DNA changed from Skittles. I'm just spitballing <laughs> over here. I mean, obviously, I'm no doctor, but I can only imagine the amount of sugar that you're mainlining would cause long-term health effects before any DNA was altered. I also, I mean, I, I, I'm obviously not a scientist, but I, I can't imagine altering DNA as easy. I, I've seen Jurassic Park, and there was a lot of people in there to create dino DNA. <laughs> It's a team. So, so if the Mars company is is altering DNA with some chemical in a Skittle, uh, God bless them. Take it. <laughs> yeah, I don't need it anymore. Creating superhumans, you know. What if it doesn't alter it in a bad way? What if it's in a good way? You know, you eat enough Skittles, and then you know it turns out you can run a five k in under four minutes. I don't know <laughs> something insane. <laughs> That's uh, That was Lance Armstrong's secret. <laughs> Actually, no way. He got busted out. <laughs> well, y'all, keeping things on the science train, uh, here's another headline, which is tag turtles are helping scientists predict cyclones. All right. So just in general, mm -hmm. keeping track of cyclones can be pretty challenging. You know, there are these right. unwieldy storms. It can be tough to predict their movements. And, you know, it's like the movie Twister. Yeah. We right? It was the whole plot. Was it impossible it's to tough. sell? They had to Storm get chasers, baby. You know? Uh, that was a great movie. Real quick tangent on Twister. Uh, there's a scene yeah. early on where they go to someone's house and have steak and eggs. And man, I've never wanted steak and eggs so bad is when I saw the steak and eggs in that movie <laughs> Twister. And one of the people there is like, you know, they don't necessarily eat a lot of meat and they don't really want it. And I'm like, what are you doing? That's some great looking steak and eggs. So... That's not what the movie's about at all, but that's the first thing that I think about when I think of Twister. Do you think, were you hungry when you went to see the nah, movie? Man, I was don't know. I'm sure I had popcorn. I'm sure that I was well fed. <laughs> it's just there's something visually, there's just something visually about just, those steak and eggs. But the sizzling. Yeah, yeah. But with these cyclones, right? Tough to track them. And so for the past however many decades, past few decades, scientists have been using satellite tagged animals uh, to collect ocean data. Uh, however, in the Southwest Indian Ocean specifically, you know, there's certain animals that they, that they don't necessarily have as much access to. And, you know, certain mm. animals that they do, like seabirds or puffins, are a little bit too lightweight for the particular sensors that they use. However, mm. when they turn to the loggerhead and olive ridley sea turtles, they prove to be, you know, the perfect type of animal for these type of trackers. Uh, they're a little sturdier. Uh, in addition to that, you know, the part of the ocean that they spend a lot of time in, like the depth of the ocean that they spend a lot of time in is that depth of the ocean that you need these sensors to help predict the movement in the water. So they've been wow. really helpful for that. And beyond that, the article goes on to say that the tag turtles could help climate studies by giving scientists 
a way to calibrate ocean models and satellite data. Moreover, turtles spend a lot of time foraging in giant ocean eddies, an oceanographic feature scientists would love to learn more about. So a dense network of turtle data, if collected over the long term, could help scientists see how the structure of the ocean is changing over time uh, at a very high resolution. So, you know, turtles doing some good work helping out. What yeah. can't they do? I don't know. Turtles <laughs> Turtles are pretty great. Yeah. They're pretty amazing. I mean, they're teenage mutants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have Darwin over there hanging out with turtles on the Galapagos mm-hmm. Island. Mm-hmm. And now they're, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm impressed with the turtle. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, they're always, I don't ever feel like I've had a bad experience seeing a turtle. Well, I, I will say, like, uh, I, I, we used to fish in a little pond behind our neighborhood, and there was snapping turtles in there. Oh, okay. And we caught some snapping turtles, which is scary. Snapping turtles are a little mm-hmm. aggressive and, uh, and intense looking. I've never been bit by a snapping turtle, but it's one of those things I just don't want to experience. Yeah. Um, so if, if they had to tag those folks in an, in, a, in a way that was a little bit more intense, oh, man. I don't know that. Worst, worst internship <laughs> oh, ever, where it's just like, oh, man, I can't wait to study cyclones from a computer. And they're like, Carl, you're going out into the water. You're finding a snapping turtle. You need to get this thing on him. It's like, how? What, what am I supposed to do, boss? And they're like, I don't know. You figure it out. You're the intern. It's like, oh, my God. I love marine biology. You know? I'll do it. You know? He comes back and it's cut to a week later. He's in a full body right, cast. Right, right, right. I, I did it for I did science. It for science. <laughs> I will say this. I, I want to go on a side tangent here because you mentioned yeah. puffins in this article. I didn't know puffins were an actual anything. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, honestly, it was, uh, it was, uh, there was an e-reality show called The Girls Next Door. And, uh, you know, it was by Hugh Hefner being a treacherous lech to these three women that live with him uh, under suspicion. Who knows? Mm. Uh, but one of them called his, her nickname for Hugh Hefner was Puffin. And I just thought that was a nickname. And then I saw the cereal, the like healthy cereal, the Puffin cereal. And yeah. I, they had a bird on it. And I was like, wait a minute, is a Puffin a bird? So then I did research <laughs> on a Puffin itself. And I was like, look at that. A Puffin is a real thing. <laughs> Not just Hugh Hefner's nickname. <laughs> and uh, mind you, I was, I think I graduated college at this point. <laughs> so my science knowledge is lacking, to say the least. Look at all those Hugh Hefners hanging out in their arms. Just a bunch of silk bathrobes all around Antarctica. Hey, ladies. <laughs> you want to come to my grotto? <laughs> I'd go there. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. 
Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. So we're back, and our main story today is a great one about uh, making friends. There's a really amazing article in Axios, and this is just a topic that I'm always interested in and been um, uh, curious about, about in America, you know, we're, we always talk about following family and work, but friendship falls behind. Many of us have few or no close confidants, apparently, according to this data. And the reason that matters is because friends help us get through the tough times, sweeten the good times, and a thriving society is filled with strong friendships. Um, studies have shown that friendship not only lengthens our lives, it improves our performances at work, it makes us better parents, it broadens our minds, and yet... of millennials say they have no close friends. I think all of us on this podcast today are, we're all millennials, right? Or roughly around there? Yeah. I think I'm in the generation right before millennial. Okay, you're Gen Xer? No, no. I think they call it something stupid now. Oh, Xennial? That's it. Yes, yes. I I, I feel that way too. I'm with you because I feel like I don't really fit into those categories. I've had a lot of arguments about this. Maybe we should do a podcast about that in particular. I feel like I'm I'm a millennial. I don't know where I belong, but man, that's what what I feel. I feel like I'm too millennial. You feel like you get up in the morning and you're like, it's a millennial day. Right, 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 right. When I wake up in the morning, I'm like, hmm, how do I, as a millennial, feel in this moment? Getting up. Yeah. (laughs) 
See, when I wake up, I feel like a boomer because I'm uh, just old and creaky. <laughs> Screaming at the kids to get off my lawn. <laughs> get out of here. Well, well millennials and uh, doesn't talk about the, the boomers, but the 27% say they have no close friends. 22% say they have no friends at all, um, according to a YouGov survey, a recent survey. And, you know, when COVID hit, I know a lot of people lost touch with friends, and that was according to the American uh, Enterprise Institute. Um, but I just thought that was so fascinating um, because you know, I'm an extrovert. I definitely think friendships are uh, an important part of uh, my life, but I get that there's a lot of people out there that struggle with that friendship and that it can have some real effects. Um, yeah, I think adult friendship you know, in particular is hard, right? You know, because it's just like, yeah. you know, growing up in school, elementary school, middle school, high school, you know, you're brought together with these people and you spend right. like, so much time with these folks growing up together, college, right? You're, 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 you're spending yeah. a lot of time with these people. Then you get to adulthood and in the workplace, it's different, you know, creating those relationships, creating those friendships, or you move to a new city, right? I mean, I can, or like right. moving to a new city during a pandemic. So it's just like there's, Oof. I feel like the older you get, there's definitely more barriers towards or in the way of making those relationships, especially if you're trying to make new ones, you know? And I think if you're especially 18, just out of college, like they, they just graduated high school, going to college and the pandemic hits, you lose that two, you basically lost that first two years of a college experience where you get to meet all those people, you, you forge those bonds. And then you have the people you knew in high school, assuming you knew anybody, uh, assuming you were cool enough to have friends. Because some people I know went through high school and didn't really hang out with anyone, didn't interact. And so like, right. you think, I'm going to start this new person. I'm going to be this new person when I'm in college. And then you don't meet anybody and can't because everything's virtual. So you're not going to form any bonds. So it's got to be tough. Like, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine it. Um, but then I'm also, I'm not that guy, buddy. So, so like, I, I know people Drake told me no new friends. So I try to stick to the words of Aubrey Drake Graham. But I mean, I, I've never had a problem meeting people, right. getting to know people, forming bonds with them. That right. this is why Jeff Propes, if you're listening, holla at me. I would win Survivor. Uh, <laughs> I feel like people naturally gravitate towards me, and right. I can form a bond pretty quickly. So. I, I don't know that feeling, I guess. Yeah, well, you make a great point about, like, college, Andre. The last semester, during, like, fall semester of 2021, I was teaching some on a college campus. And at the time that I was there, because of where COVID was at, masks were required indoors at all times. And that would be, if I was a freshman or something like that, that'd be really tough in terms of finding a way to make friends with people and just like make conversation because how much of it is just like whispering to someone like oh can what do you think of this or that and i can see how those social interactions would be more challenging you, you know you know the college whisper like oh can yeah. i can i get this, this or that you know um but but for real though i mean it's just th those close interactions or just those in-person things that you know it, it's tougher if you're also taking those additional precautions so that i thought that resonated Right. Yeah. You can't see. It's harder to read people. It's harder to, to like recognize people sometimes, honestly. What well, says here that uh, a, a 
Jeffrey Hall, a professor at the University of Kansas, said that friendship is a huge investment, that it takes about 50 hours of time spent together to go from being acquainted to being casual friends, uh, according to his research. That it also, like beyond that, it takes about 90 hours to advance from casual pals to good friends, <laughs> like there's, you know, and then more than 200 to become confidants, um, which, you know, it's so interesting. I, I've recently been um, seeing some friends I hadn't seen in a long time, like some friends from high school. I, I went to a, a punk show. I was in a punk band in high school, and I saw the drummer, uh, a guy named Ryan, who was a great friend growing up. And I probably haven't seen Ryan for 15 years. You know, saw him play as a fantastic drummer, has, been, uh, has, an, has an epic career as a as a punk rock drummer, he's toured around the world. And uh, we we went out and grabbed drinks. And I, it, it honestly felt like within like five minutes, it felt like we were those 16-year-old kids again, just giggling and laughing about um, the the stupid stuff we got into when we were in high school. Um, and I would wonder if that's, you know, I definitely think I've spent 200 hours with that guy, even though I haven't seen him in a long time. I don't know about y'all, but has, has, have y'all had that experience as well you know, when you're seeing someone, even if you haven't seen them for years and years, yeah. but they were a close friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where you shout out to my friend Colin. I've known Colin since I've been like 12, 13. Um, just the other week, we went and grabbed dinner. And, uh, you know, from college and like living in different places at certain times, like there were stretches of time where maybe we didn't see each other for a moment. Um, but then mm. when we, uh, but when we link up, I'm like, oh yeah, like all the, you know, shared memories or experiences just like oh it's very it's very comfortable so yeah i agree with you bill like reconnecting with old friends is something that's effective and i thought that that tied into what this article continues to talk about where it yeah. is giving kind of tips for mm -hmm. you know i guess like fostering those friendships and one of the things that it said was remember old friends sometimes it can be easier to revive you know dormant ties at moments and so i think that tracks yeah uh, yeah yeah, and I think that these tips in general are great. So that's one remembering old friends that, that uh, they have four tips on if you're trying to make new friendships. Uh, and the first one is put in the hours that cultivating a close friend takes time and it pays off. Um, put in the FaceTime. It's hard to do things virtually. Uh, so try to go to the office for a few weeks. Try an in-person workout class instead of a YouTube video, that kind of stuff. And then diversify. They said the ideal number of close friends to have is between three to five. Don't underestimate the value of casual friends, though, or work buddies. Uh, those in our larger circle can bring fresh perspectives. Um, yeah, so the, the bottom line is, from this article, it says, life's short. Let's lean on friends. The time commitment. I mean, I never thought of uh, making friends in, in this large scale time commitment, but it seems daunting. If I was looking at that and I was like, oh, I need friends. I'll have to put 200 hours into this. Uh, <laughs> no, thanks. I'll practice my jump shot. <laughs> Could have been a chance to make it into the league. Right. I mean, where, where do you want it? You want the millions or do you want the friends? I guess with friends, with millions comes friends. But uh, I, I mean, I honestly, like uh, I have gone back. I have friends that I've known since I first moved here uh, in 95, when I first moved to Atlanta or Georgia, I lived in Marietta, hashtag East Cobb. East Cobb. Uh, I met a group of knuckleheads, and I still to this day know those knuckleheads. We still hang out. It's not often. We don't hang out as much as we should or would. Uh, but every, every time we get together, it's like just like old times. And then 
I still have this collection of idiots from college and yeah, it's been uh, well over two decades now and it's still the same nerds that keep rolling in, in and out of my life. And uh, <laughs> so I guess I did put in that time commitment and it, it pays off. Uh, but <laughs> to all you young kids out there, may the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> Well, what have you found, Dre, when you're talking about connecting with those guys? How do you usually keep up with them? Is it like a text chain? Is it emails? Is it social media? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. It's normally like a, a text or out of the blue. I don't like to talk on the phone anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess that's where my boomerism ends. <laughs> is that I no longer want a phone conversation. I have to okay. do it for work all the time. Uh, so it's like a text, and then we'll just like say, like, let's let's hang out. Let's go get drinks or I'll have people over and we'll have some drinks at my house. We don't have to drink, guys. Uh, I don't drink. I'm, I'll live my life above the influence. Uh, don't tell anyone. Uh, but, you know, we'll just get together and just like, just shoot shoot the shit. And then all of a sudden, it's uh, it's like we're back in old times. We'll reminisce about old stuff, talk about what's happening. I know everyone's family. So it's just like getting caught up on how their family's doing, if they have kids, how their kids are doing. Uh, so it's, it's always nice. Uh, it's comforting, especially with those people that I've known since I was 15 years old is like, super mm-hmm. comforting. Cause like they've been with me through everything and seen right. all the stuff that I've been through. Some have even been in my wedding. So it's a yeah. nice connection. Yeah. I think another thing that I'd sort of thrown here is finding things that you enjoy doing and just trying to see if there are other people that also do those things. Like I'm not the type of person right. that, will generally just start a conversation with someone that I'll see someplace. Whereas if there's like rules in place, I know that sounds silly, but it's like if there's rules in place where it's like, <laughs> oh, this is when you talk to someone, this is when you don't. I'm like, oh, I can I can do that. You know, so if nice. I if I find those environments where it's just like, oh, here's an activity that I like or here's something that I like to do, I found that that can open things up, especially if you're not like a very outgoing person, you know, like, which, which I'm not, you know, right. so yeah. That's another thing I throw in there. And I think we've all taken improv classes, mm-hmm. everyone yeah. here on this. And I mean, going to taking an improv class and being in that environment for at least eight weeks with someone, yeah. you form a bond with people that you never thought you would. Like I I still hang out with people that I've met in improv classes from like when I first took improv classes. And you just like you form this connection, you go out afterwards and like have have a meal and then talk about what you did. And like at first the connection is purely on improv and like you guys just doing this thing and all being terrible at it. And all of a sudden it starts to morph. And then it's like, you start learning about everyone and you find out, Oh, this, this person is terrible. And this person's great. And then you, you know where to go at that point. <laughs> oh, Andre, real quick. This is another compliment to you, Andre. So you were in an improv class that I was like helping teach. I was a teaching assistant for an improv class that you were in. And you were, I mean, uh, it's a long time ago, so I can say that you, you were by far the most talented person in the class. It wasn't even like it wasn't it wasn't close. <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, a compliment that was given to you about your improv skills was that you're like water. You know, it's just that like you're just like calm and still, and just whatever comes, you like take it. And so, anyway, when you mentioned improv class, I'm like, I remember that improv class that I was teaching with Andre in it. And so, I remember that night that compliment was given to me. I thought, A, the compliment was weird. And B, <laughs> we're at the brew house outside. And there were roaches 
I felt like it. I felt like I was sitting on a roach. That was the most <laughs> terrified I've ever been in my life. There was just climbing everywhere, and I was oh, like, no. my skin was crawling at the sight of other roaches all over this place. <laughs> I do oh, remember no. that establishment. There were a lot of roaches, and I don't know why it didn't strike me as odd then. But I think back to it, and it's like, no, that's a lot of roaches. I was just like, oh, we're outside. We're in nature. This is where animals are. And I'm like, no, no, that's just a lot of roaches. That's just a place with a lot of roaches. We'll be right back with more ridiculous news after this short break. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. All right, we're back. And talking about friendships, there's a really cool study that I've been obsessed with for a while. And I learned about it through a a TED Talk because I'm a nerd. 
And, um, but I love some of these TED Talks. And this one's all about what makes a good life, what makes people happy and healthy as we go through life. And uh, if you think it's fame and money, you're not alone. But according to psychiatrist Robert Waldinger, you're mistaken. He's the director of a 75-year-old study on adult development and uh, has unprecedented data on true happiness and satisfaction. So they learned from tens of thousands of pages of information. You know, the scientists starting the study died and they passed on to the other scientists. They were just collecting so much data. And it was completely different people in terms of race, socioeconomic status, all kinds of stuff, people around the world. Um, And what did they find out? Well, being uh, healthy and happier in life isn't about wealth or fame or working harder and harder. The clearest message they got from this 75-year study is that good relationships keep us happier, period. Um, They learned three big things. And, And the first one was we've learned that social connections are really good for us and that loneliness kills. It turns out the people who are most more socially connected to family, to friends, to community are happier. They're physically healthier. They live longer than people who are less well-connected. Uh, and the experience of loneliness turns out to be toxic. And this is so interesting to me because when I hear about, you know, like famous people or rich people, and, you know, we hear it all the time. And it's not every famous or rich person, but when they're, they committing suicide or jumping off a bridge or, you know, whatever imaginative way they like jump into a helicopter blade. I, that might have not happened. I don't know. Something <laughs> some sort of it happened somewhere. <laughs> so, anyway. and, and you're like, what is, you know, what is it? Was it they were just focused too much on that fame and, and wealth part? And maybe they didn't have the relationship. Well, it's definitely, it just made me think of this uh, interaction I had uh, with this guy when I was working at Starbucks a long time ago. And uh, I had just read a report about suicidality rates among professions and air traffic controllers were the top of the list. Mm. And I, I I found the whole thing interesting. So I was like yeah. at work, just minding my own business, talking to my coworkers, talking about this article that I read and how air traffic controllers are at the top of this list. And he apparently was an air traffic controller oh, wow. and got mad at the assessment. And he, was, and he started yelling at me. He's like, uh-huh. why would I kill myself when I make $175,000 a year? What, what do I have to worry about that's going to be so bad that I'm going to kill myself? And I was like, dude, I don't know. I didn't write the study. I'm making $12 an hour. I don't know what you want me to tell you. And then he's like, I make too much money to want to kill myself. I said, I don't think this article was written about you. I think it was just your profession in general has a high level of suicidality. It's probably because of the, the stress involved. And he's like, man, you sound stupid. And so Damn. I will never forget that <laughs> until the day I die. Uh, so according to him, money equals happiness. But wow. <laughs> there's a lot of rich people that feel a lot of a lot of feelings about uh, not feeling like they're worthy of that money. Mm. Kevin Love, for example, has mm. a lot of money and had a lot of mental health problems that he had to work through. So it's it's not easy for anybody. That's that's super interesting. Yeah. I mean, talk about the biggest red flag. <laughs> it's just like Man, why would I want to kill myself? I make $175,000. Like, what are your priorities, person? Like, what kind of, like, what did you grow up? You know, don't, I don't care what you do. As long as you make over $150,000 a year, <laughs> your life will be good. I was like, he was who? retired. He came in every day for a cup of coffee, the same wow. order every day, wow. Monday through Friday. So he he was on something else. He was a different type of breed. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I remember 
hearing about that study and that pr- profession, but I also never read up on it. So it's just like if someone <laughs> who was in their profession <laughs> questioned me about it further and I didn't know it, I would remember that forever. <laughs> so, <laughs> But it is interesting, though, hearing that person's response and also, Bill, what you read uh, from this TED Talks transcript, I think is just in society or I guess American society anyway, how much we do prioritize like success and hard work. And we talk about relationships being a priority, but it's not like it's something that you work on. You know what I'm saying? Like Andre, to your point, it's just like work on a jump shot. You know what I mean? Like you don't work on a friendship, you know? So um, anyway, I guess it's just kind of interesting in terms of like, I think we know that relationships are important kind of, but, at least in my upbringing, it wasn't necessarily taught as something that you work on. You, you know what I mean? At least like in school. It's mm. not like you go home and you do homework. That's true. You don't go home right. and like work on your friend group. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I think right. it's just, so I think it's like you can tell someone that a friendship is important. You can even tell someone a relationship is work. You hear that a lot too, but it's not mm-hmm. like, at least in our everyday education, I don't know if we're necessarily given tools to be like, well, here's how you build and maintain a relationship for example is something that we're just which we should yeah 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 i guess that's kind of what i'm saying is that it's like seeing how much this study is linked to all different types of health and also just kind of seeing how maybe we don't even really see it like that you know if someone's saying like Mm. man i make 175k i'm you know that's it that's the end of the story (laughs) it's like all right why would i you give me a gun right now i'm not i'll pull the trigger won't even go off i make 175k i'm gonna walk into traffic cars are gonna stop i make 175 dollars a year like what what well okay so the first lesson is that this stuff's really good for our health the second of the three lessons that they learned in these 75-year study was that it's not just the number of friends you have so it's not like you know, you need a hundred friends. It's just the, it's not even that you're in a committed relationship. They actually found that that doesn't necessarily uh, affect the quality of your health. It's just the quality of your close relationships that matters. Um, And it turns out that living in the midst of conflict is really bad for your health. And I think that is a testament to, you know, even if you're alone, that's better than being in a, in a bad. How do y'all interpret, how do y'all interpret the midst of conflict? That was like, if you're living in the midst of conflict, yeah. that's what I wasn't really like clear on. Some would argue we're in the midst of conflict. Yeah, uh, right. You know what I'm saying? Like right. that's kind of what I mean. Just yeah. In, yeah. in our general yeah, lives. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was wondering. Yeah. Like that's, conflict, I'm like, man, that's a that could be a lot of things. You know, maybe it's just like the conflict uh, and like argument within your toxic friend mm. group. Yeah. So if that if you're constantly in turmoil in the close proximity to you, and then in the larger scope of the mm. world. I, I can't. It can't be good for you. I can imagine. I mean, you over here collecting friends like Pokemon cards. Got a hundred <laughs> toxic friends. Like, hey, you can't. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you ever tried uh, to jump inside of a well? <laughs> I heard Baby <laughs> Jessica enjoyed it. Yeah, that's those are the lower quality friends that maybe you want to get rid of that Pokemon. Yeah, I don't know if y'all uh, ever watched the Netflix reality show uh, Selling Sunset, but when I think about a toxic friend group. That's uh that that's what comes to mind for me. <laughs> oh my god! I've only seen a couple episodes of Selling it's, Sunset. It's uh, I uh, yeah, pretty pretty. It's yeah, pretty right. pretty heavy, pretty heavy with those toxic friendships. In my in my opinion, I hope it's I hope they're great friends in real life. But man, on that TV, <laughs> sparks are flying. Uh, you know, check it out. It's got a couple seasons. 
<laughs> well, the, 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 so the, the, the final lesson is that it's just good for your brain. Uh, like people who are securely attached to another person in your 80s have a much uh, better time retaining memories. They stay sharper, longer, et cetera. So that's, um, that's kind of the big thing that these studies found is that the people who leaned into relationships, family, friends, community, and their jump shot did the best overall in, in terms of rating the quality of their life. There was another bit built too that they went on to say, saying that, uh, and this is from the transcript saying, the people in our 75 year yeah. study who were the happiest in retirement were the people who had actively worked to replace workmates with new playmates. So I thought that was interesting to hear as well. I guess as they transitioned from yeah. work life into post-work life, having the ability mm -hmm. to then like being like, okay, maybe I'm losing touch with some people, but like, let me create and establish new relationships as well. But that was interesting to see as well. Yeah, it's fun. Little pickleball buddy. I yeah. Y'all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> played, uh, played any of that bocce ball? Y'all played some of that bocce ball? I like bocce ball. Oh, I can play some bocce ball, man. Oh, yeah. Bocce ball's fun. Give me a, a fine linen suit <laughs> and espresso. <laughs> and I am down to clown. Some bocce ball be some, that's, that's some good stuff, man. I played bocce ball for the first time, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, whatever it was. And I'm like, how have I been missing out on bocce ball this whole time? Some bocce ball is great. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, there's leagues. There's leagues in Atlanta, <clears throat> and I need to try some pickleball. I've been, I've been, been doing my bike riding, which has been fun. There's like group bike rides, and some of those folks also play pickleball. My parents talked about how much they play pickleball, and it's like I ain't never gonna do that. <laughs> and then like the people my age talked about having fun. I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe I'll try it out. Maybe I'll go. Oh my gosh, that's so real. <laughs> Just depending on who recommends something, you're like, you know, like right, that. right. <laughs> I just looked up a pickleball set on Amazon last night to try to buy it, and uh, I did not pull the trigger. Trigger, trigger. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, did you got a trigger over here? <laughs> uh, I did not pull the trigger, but uh, it's in my cart currently. How much? How much was? It? I'm curious. How much? It was like forty dollars. Uh, and that's like the paddles and the balls. And it was all? paddles and a ball. I think it was like two paddles and a ball, or maybe two balls. I can't remember. It wasn't. It wasn't a price that was that would like stop me from buying. I've bought dumber things that are more expensive <laughs> right. uh so buying a pickleball set wouldn't it wouldn't stop me from doing it but uh i, I definitely paused looking at it like am i gonna do this or is it just gonna sit in my closet right right well y'all i feel like this is a, as good a time as any uh, to move on to one of our favorite segments called the spring of inspiring inspiration so this is a time when we pull an inspiring quote to kind of send you out to the world so uh, this one comes from none other than Mr. Rogers, and I feel like it is in line with some of the themes that we've been talking today about friendship. And the quote is as follows. Uh, there are three ways to ultimate success. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. The third way is to be kind. Thanks, Mr. Rogers. I appreciate that. And uh, Mark, did you want to give a shout out to Jayla? Oh, and, right. Uh, so, Bill, Andre, we were talking about friendship earlier. We were talking about you know, reconnecting with old friends because sometimes that can be easier to revive than a brand new one. And so what better example of that than J-Lo and Ben Affleck getting married, you know? Like, hey, look at that. So uh, <laughs> Happy wish them the best, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wish, yeah. yeah. I hope Mark Anthony was at the wedding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, I, some would say I need to know. Oh man, nailed it. No, no big deal. I've done improv before. Uh, well, Andre, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Always such a pleasure. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Anything that you want people to, you know, look up, stay in touch with? Anything at all? Uh, nah. Uh, I got I got nothing. I mean, if you work in food service, reach out to Giving Kitchen. Uh, otherwise, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Mr. Rogers said, be kind. It's hard out there. You know what I'm saying? So you don't need to be an extra jerk. Be a regular jerk. <laughs> well, for those that don't know what the Giving Kitchen is, it's really awesome. So could you just give a quick description of, of what it is? Yeah, A sure thing. Uh, Giving Kitchen helps food service workers in crisis. So if you work in food service and have any crisis, we could connect you to... Uh, community resources or a financial assistance program, depending on what's going on. Uh, we're just here to help. Awesome. It's an awesome program. Yeah. Really, really cool thing that you're doing. You know, another cool thing is that our listeners are listening to us. So we appreciate y'all. We always uh, are happy when you're tuning in. You got a lot of options. Thanks for spending your time with us. It really means a lot. Yeah. And, you know, you can stay in touch with us as well. So you can email us at ridiculousnews at iheartmedia.com. You can also stay in touch with us on social media at Ridiculous News on Facebook and IG. And be sure to check out our comedy videos as well, one of which features uh, the amazing Andre uh, at Mark Kendall Comedy on IG, TikTok, and Facebook, as well as at Kendall Comedy on Twitter. Bye, y'all. See ya. Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.